This is The Week Ahead, brought to you by Advisorpedia and powered by Tomatica Research. I'm Chris Versace, Tomatica's Chief Investment Officer, and joining me, as usual, is Lenore Hawkins, Tomatica's Chief Macro Strategist. What is going on, Lenore? As we tape this, it is actually the Friday before Memorial Day weekend. Any big plans? Sleep. Sleep. I, 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 a lot of sleep. Am I wild or what? Very excited. I get like it's like a big, big weekend. But as we're heading into that weekend, it's kind of interesting to see what's been going on in the markets. We're seeing the markets starting to line up. Now these could be this could be nothing because this could be interim. It's early days, but we're starting to see some peaks forming. The value versus growth that kind of peaked already about March eighth. The Russell two thousand peaked mid March. Bitcoin peaked back in mid-April, NASDAQ towards the end of April, the NYSE composite, the Dow and the S&P all peaked around May 7th, lumber peaked May 7th, corn and wheat May 7th, wheat's now down 15% from what was an eight-year high and corn is now down to the lowest level it's been at in about a month. Copper peaked May 11th, down about 11% from them. The CRB index, it's all the commodities, that was May 11th. So it's kind of interesting to be seeing a lot of this. You want to keep an eye for these things. Are we at a market turn? Something to be paying attention to. What, what, what do you attribute the peaks in these earlier in the year to? I mean, when I say earlier in the year, just a couple of days to several weeks ago, depending on what you're talking about. Why, why the sell-offs? Right. Well, we had going into this earnings season, there was so much enthusiasm, so much was already priced in. And what we saw through this, this earnings season was even when companies delivered better than expected, better than consensus, you know, they did a triple play, right? They, they, they improved the guidance, they did better on top line, did better on bottom line. Sometimes our stock still got hit and hit sometimes pretty hard. Mm-hmm, That's telling mm-hmm. me that there's an awful lot of optimism already built in. You've got, so the U.S. being free and clear of the pandemic, that was already built in pretty strongly. Now you've got Europe, which had been really struggling, had been lagging. That's starting to come around. We're seeing a lot of progress with the vaccinations everywhere except for those emerging economies. And that's, we all know that's going to take years. So the, the question now is, where's the really great news going to come from? The Biden administration stimulus. Well, that's actually going to, looks like that's not going to be quite as exciting as we thought. And a really big one was already priced in. So where is this next knock it out of the ballpark, really accelerate this economy piece of news going to come from when expectations are that the next year plus is going to see economic growth that is super outsized what's the next thing going to be? So that's, I'm not surprised to be seeing some topping going on here. So as Michael Lewis would say, what's the new, new thing that drives stocks higher? Exactly. We've got so much that's already been priced in. Um, What we are seeing, so if we just do like a quick little recap of where we are economically, um, like I said, Germany doing pretty good. Europe's been doing pretty good. Um, Germany's IFO business expectations maxed, just utterly smashed expectations. It hit a two-year high. And the entire European area is starting to catch a tailwind through Q2. Europe's finally catching up. But at the same time, we're seeing China and the U.S. look like they're kind of in the process of hitting peak rates of growth and are starting to moderate. Now, when we look at the commodities, when we look at where all this, you know, oh, inflation's coming, inflation's coming. 
China consumes about half the world's resources and has been on an enormous inventory build with imports of materials up about 50% in the past year versus down 15% year over year this time last year. Uh, Chinese inbound shipments of basic resources just fell 7.4% month over month. That was the first decline of the year and the steepest since May of 2020. So across the board, we're seeing things kind of, again, topping that accelerating growth rates now kind of shifting to decelerating rates of growth. It's not contracting, but it's just, it's increasing much slower. Um, and people think of China, their central bank has been tightening policy. So there've been a lot of concerns that China got itself kind of out over its ski tips. They've been tightening policy and Chinese household sector is actually deleveraging, which is much of what we've been seeing in the US. And keep in mind, when you see deleveraging, that is actually contra indicative to inflation. When you're deleveraging, you're not accelerating any kind of a money supply. When you're decelerating, you're contracting things. Um, the central bank's balance sheet in China is about 35% of GDP, and that's at now a two-decade low. Hmm. But what yeah, about compare that to the US? But, <laughs> but right, right. But so so that's there. But what about in the US? Because you know, we had stimulus payments, we were kind of reopening aggressively. Um, vaccinations were out. And I, but I, but I can tell you just from my own personal experience, um, you know, doing some work around my house that, you know, prices are elevated. Contractors were saying that um, compared to 2018, 2019, a piece of plywood at Home Depot is four to five times more expensive. Um, you know, whether it's uh, landscapers or con contract, other contractors, they're saying that people are not coming back, whole crews are not returning because they, they just don't have to because of the incremental stimulus benefits. This has to be hitting the ability to supply what people want. Yes, what we've seen, so we have seen that one of the biggest problems the businesses have is an inability to get the right worker. And it's really easy, right? It's really easy to say that it's because one of my favorites is when we see people doing something we don't think makes sense and we don't like it, it's usually because they're lazy, evil, or stupid, or some combination of them. Um, what we're seeing is in the labor pool, it, it's easy to say that people just, they're getting the stimulus checks and they don't want to come to work. But if you dig a little bit deeper, there's also problems with childcare. Schools aren't mm -hmm. back yet. Right. So people are looking at it saying, can I afford the childcare versus going back to work? So that's a little complicated. While the vaccine rollout has been profound, about 50% of the US population is fully vaccinated, about 60% have had at least one shot. That still leaves a good chunk that have not fully been vaccinated. And they're nervous. You know, they're, they're people are still a little bit afraid of, of engaging and getting sick or bringing that home to, to loved ones who well, may still at risk. The easy converts have been had. Right? Exactly, exactly. Now, now it's those who are skeptical. There are even before this, there were people who were, you know, afraid of vaccines. And I, I do agree that it, it's going to be a slower march higher here. But well, it, if we look at like the the quantitatively, the Citibank Economic Surprise Index, you want that thing to be at a bottom, moving up, because that says things are coming in stronger. So it's now I, actually, I, it's, it's, it's at a 12 month low. Right. What that means is that we're being surprised to the downside rather than the upside. Remember, this is not, when we're looking at the market, when we're looking at the economy, it's not about the actual levels, it's about the levels relative to expectations. And right. expectations have been so high, they've been so hot, and now things are coming in, coming in good. We're not saying they're coming bad. It's just 
they're not coming in with that, you know, human beings tend to be linear. So if, if I've been surprised to the upside again and again, I, then I expect that I'm going to continue to be surprised to the upside and it's probably going to continue to get even better, but that's not what's happening. Right? Well, it's actually, I, I was going to say, I, I think that circles back to your comment earlier about, about stocks and expectations as to what's going to drive it higher. You know, yeah. we, we got a rat, well, and we'll get into this, but we, we had a rash of earnings that were better than expected, particularly on like retail apparel facing names, crushed it uh, year over year. And, and in some respects, relative to 2019. And I think the question is, as companies are raising it, their expectations for the full year, are they possibly being a little bit ahead of themselves and thinking to your point, the good times are gonna continue to roll to the extent that they are. And we're already seeing some things that you would kind of expect starting to roll over are starting to roll over. For example, during the pandemic, everyone was stuck at home looking around and going, you know what, I need to upgrade. So, but how many new couches can you buy? How many new right. decks can you have built, right? That's not something that's going to continue indefinitely. And in fact, the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Survey um, one of the sub-indices within that looks at buying conditions for large household durable goods, autos, and housing. So basically this measure is when consumers are confident that they're going to spend on those kind of big ticket items. And it's that metrics now at the lowest level since the depth of the financial crisis back in 2008. And again, and that doesn't mean that people are thinking the world is falling apart. What that means is they bought the couch, built the deck, they upgraded the kitchen, and now they're thinking, okay, I, I, we're getting back to work. I'm getting out of the house and I've already done the stuff that I wanted to do. And we're, we're starting to see downward revisions in QT GDP estimates. Now, again, they're still good. We're not saying that this is, you know, the, the wheels are falling off. It's just, we're not seeing this continual acceleration upward, which is what the market was looking for. Is, and when we it, look at the- is, is it fair to say that perhaps the- there's a little hopium leaking out of the balloon. Yeah, and, and you can't forget, we've been through something really traumatic and that near 30% personal savings rate doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon. Again, that is not supportive of inflation, right? Because people are taking that money and they're nervous. They're, they're understandably concerned for the future. Okay, okay, what else? But Richmond Fed Manufacturing for May reported that the ability to find workers with the necessary skills has actually reached the worst level on record, which is really interesting because we've talked about how there's this shift into increased automation. That means it's a slightly different skill set, right? Today's manufacturing plant is not your manufacturing plant from the 80s. That whole bringing the jobs back, getting the manufacturing out from overseas areas and bringing it home doesn't look the way it looked decades ago. That manufacturing plant looks very different. It needs a new skill set. They're having a tough time finding that. So I think that's really going to be one of the pushes with the Biden administration is the retooling of the American workforce. But that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Yep. Um, one of the interesting things I think too is the preliminary estimate we just got yesterday for uh, the first quarter corporate profits actually fell to negative 0.8% after a negative 3.3% decline in Q4. So what that means is corporate profits have been falling. Now, if we look at corporate profits, which, cause you want to kind of normalize it relative to GDP. So what share of GDP are, are corporate profits? So if you look at them um, after tax and you do a little bit of a adjustment for 
inventory and for capital consumption. As a percent of GDP, it's fallen corporate profits have fallen from the peak of 10.6% in Q1 of 2012, that's the highest there ever was, to today 8.8%. And for perspective, the average of this metric going back as far as the, the records go back to 1947 has been about 6.8%. So we're right in between the average and the peak. Uh, the median is about 6.3% and the low occurred way back in 1947 at 4.1%. So where, where this is interesting is that people who complain that corporate profits have been uh, getting a greater share of GDP and labor has been getting a smaller share. And what we're seeing right now is that share for corporate profits has been coming down. And that is actually something to think about when you're looking at the stock market because that sh the percent of GDP going to corporate profits is actually rolling, it's coming down, it's not accelerating. It's gonna be interesting to watch because I, I know when a bunch of companies reported like Costco, for example, they actually break out their pandemic related spending each quarter, which you would yeah. think is either, we're, we're gonna anniversary that and perhaps it'll start to decline. So that might be a, a positive you know, to help lift those corporate profits. But on the other hand, other companies, you know, McDonald's, uh, for example, uh, Home Depot are boosting minimum wages up to 15 bucks an hour. Yeah. And it's really interesting to see that that's coming at a time when we still have about 16 million Americans are on at least one benefit program. And to put that in context, whereas it's 16 million today, it was around an average of about 2 million pre-pandemic. So that process of getting people back to work finding the right person into the right job is going to take some time. Wow. But it, I think as that happens, hopefully, fingers crossed, that the supply chains that we, we keep continue to hear about, the issues there tend to get better and better incrementally, month over month over month. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. So um, next week's a shortened week. It's the start of the month, which means we have all that start of the month economic data to look forward to, usually a little frenetic. And when it's compressed into four days, it's even more so. So what, what key points are you looking for next week? So the big one, I'm going to be looking because we've, we've seen housing, you know, housing is, is kind of a, it's an interesting thing. It's, we keep talking about it being hot, but it's, it's really the prices that keep going up dramatically, but they keep going up dramatically on insanely low inventories, right. meaning people just aren't willing to sell their homes and home builders are looking <laughs> to try and capitalize on that. But obviously the process of building a home, getting it to where you can sell the home is not a short one. It, it, it always marvels to me how people are like, oh yeah, selling homes, selling homes. That means you have to buy a home. And if there's nothing there yeah, exactly, to buy, exactly. what, what, it's not what like do you do? Where you're gonna go? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, Can't go to the street. Yeah, we're, yeah. So um, I'll be looking at the April construction spending uh, that comes out in June. I'll also be looking at the ISM manufacturing index that comes out on the first as well on Tuesday. Uh, that we'll be seeing. Are we are we seeing this continued kind of slowing in the pace of growth? Uh, Wednesday, I'll be looking at the mortgage applications index that I'm not expecting to see anything that's big fireworks. Um, we'll also look at the Fed's beige book. That's where you really get the qualitative analysis. That's where you get commentary from the different um, Fed regions on what people are seeing. That's mm -hmm. always kind of an, an interesting read. Uh, the big thing that comes on the third, we get the ADP employment change report, which is really kind of the appetizer for the Friday 
May employment report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that obviously you're looking to see what's going on. We're hearing companies saying it's tough to find people. Like you said, they're actually with 16 million people on some sort of vet benefit, which is a really, 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 really high number. I mean, it's eight times the level we saw mm-hmm. pre-pandemic. Right, right, right. But then t- companies are, are having to pay more to attract talent, which is Frankly, that is not what we were hearing. It's really interesting. That's not what we were hearing pre-pandemic when unemployment rates were at those record lows. We were not hearing companies talking about how they were really increasing wages, and now we're hearing this this pressure. We'll also be looking for April factory orders on Friday because, again, that's part of what's going on with the supply chains. We'll be looking to see if that's kind of smoothing out a little bit. Um, Thursday also brings productivity and unit labor costs. What's interesting there is to see productivity has been a real big boon to the economy. This pandemic really accelerated uh, productivity, which is great for GDP. And it's also kind of counters inflation. It's a good thing. Yeah, the, I think the other thing in all that data, one of the other things that I'll be watching for is, is comments, particularly in the ISM manufacturing and non-manufacturing indices about yeah. pricing, just to see yeah. what's going on there. Uh, if there's any kind of commentary on, on shortages and supply chain issues, but also the order component, because that, that order number is going to give us our first glimpse at what June looks like. And I think we'll start to see people kind of tighten up those 2Q or current quarter GDP forecast, perhaps. So, okay. And for perspective, we still expect that there's going to be so much noise in the data that we're still going to be pricing pricing pressures on input costs. The supply chain still, it's going to take a bit more. We expect to see that probably through to September. Right. Totally agree with that. Now, let, let's switch over to earnings. Um, you know, in this past week, just not, uh, not a sea of earnings, but the ones that we got were just, you know, rather impressive, you know, from NVIDIA, Costco, Lululemon, even Gap. And I, I think- the, Yeah, the you were mo- telling me Gap, the, which the my, amazing my, with Athleta. Well, yeah, that, that's the mind bender to me, right? Which is not only were they up big year over year, which you would expect, but the, it was up some ridiculous double digit percentage compared like to 2019. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 50, like 54, 56%, something like that. And I, and I sit there and I scratch my head and I go, to your point earlier, you know, how many pairs of yoga pants do I really need? Right. Exactly. I mean, I know I realize that like yoga pants are the new work pants, but we're but, probably but here, gonna but, get our fill. Well, but not only that, right? We there, there's a pretty good sense that in one way or another, right, the way we work is about to go through another change. Let's just say over the next three to six to nine months, yeah. right? People are gonna have to, you, you know, you can't wear yoga pants to the office, depending on where you work. So you're probably going to have to freshen up your, your business casual outfit, your, your work wardrobe, that sort of thing. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see a shift in spending away from, say, you know, Lululemon, uh, Athleta, yeah. and, and some of those to maybe more of a Nordstrom's, maybe more of yeah. a, I don't shop there, but I think like an Ann Taylor or something like that. Yeah. You, know what I mean? <laughs> you don't shop at Ann Taylor. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I'm just, it is I'm just saying. It's a challenge. It is a challenge to not take the data points that we're going to be seeing over the next couple of months and, or, and that we have been seeing and extrapolate them. I agree. Forward I agree. And just say, well, oh, okay, I think this is the new normal. This is what's going to happen. No, 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 no. We well, are still working through. I think what makes that very hard is there really 
like three forces that are coming together that drive this robust performance, right? So it's stimulus checks. And there's, there's yeah. you know, some of the data says X percent was spent, X percent was not, but some of it is being spent. There's the reopening, right? Which is, we've talked about before the impact of pent up demand and what that does. And then the third is just, I need something new. Yeah, I'm so, on board. So, so I, 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 you know, the Debbie Downer in me, right? Is, is, is sitting at some of these companies like ratcheting up their, their forecasts. And I, and I just, I, again, I, I don't mean to harp on this, but I just wonder, is it a little too much too soon? That's my concern. Well, one company that I think is not too much too soon, one company that is enjoying a tailwind that is not a short-term kind of tailwind is seeing what is going on with Ford. Ford uh, yeah. really is... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Ford is really showing part of what we, what we look at is our, our cleaner living theme. That is cleaner for the planet, cleaner for our body, clean for your home. Ford shares are up over 25% since the start of last week. They've up to the highest level since 2015. And on Thursday, RBC upgraded shares to outperform from sector perform because of the company's updated business strategy that really makes its electric vehicle plans a lot more clear. The company reported that it received 20,000 pre-orders for its F-150 Lightning truck in just the first, get this, 12 hours after the reveal, 12 hours. The company also announced a joint venture with South Korea's SK Innovation on a facility that's going to be capable of making enough batteries to power the equivalent of 600,000 all-electric vehicles per year. The company has said that it expects, get this, 40% 40% of its sales to come from electric vehicles by 2030. That's, that's so, I mean, that's what that, well, I mean, in, 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 in car speak, that's like eight years, right? Because we're already at the 2022 models. Oh, they're, they're getting ready to lock. The so that's like they, eight they, model they, years from now. Yeah. But they, but they, they've already locked like their models all the way through like 2024, 2025. Oh, that's amazing. Like that. In eight years, they're going to have 40% from well, electric vehicles. So, so here, here. Hello, here, Tesla. Well, that's exactly right. You know, Hello, Tesla. Tesla has. You're not been, the only kid on the, in, in the game anymore. <laughs> no, no. You're, you're, but th- this is what people have been waiting for, right? Yeah. You know, Tesla has had a pole position advantage, first to market, that sort of thing. And these companies, Ford, GM, Chrysler, whatever it's called, Stevia and Stevia, whatever that thing is. Yeah. Um, they, like, like most big companies, they take time to reposition their business, but when it when it starts to when it starts to whip and it starts to gain momentum, look out. And there's a lot there's a line in this movie Ford versus Ferrari, which was a great movie. Christian Bale did mm-hmm. an excellent job, um, and I think this is exactly what's happening here. Uh, Ford is preparing to go to war. Yes, yes, and and for those, I mean, this may this is dating us a little bit, um, but what do you mean? Whoa, I remember. Whoa, whoa. Feel I remember. Free, feel free to date yourself. No need to include <laughs> me on that. That's true. That's true. I remember back in 2000 uh, when 3Com was spinning Palm off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the valuation was such, and I remember talking to the Goldman Sachs bankers about it, that the valuation of Palm was so massive compared to 3Com that it actually implied that 3Com had a negative market cap. Yes, yes. And sure yes. enough, when it spun off, and I was like, these people are crazy. How could 3Com? It's a, it's a great company. How could 3Com have a negative market cap? But that was because Palm had 70% share 
of the people wouldn't even know what the hell this is these days. But the the the, the PDA, palm pilot, right? the, the palm pilot. Yeah, the palm pilot had, and now palm. I mean, where's palm? We don't even see palm anymore. It doesn't exist. Palm because it, is. But it was, it's tucked inside of HP as an OS company. But it was it was the dominant personal data assistant, seventy yeah. percent market share. Yeah. Is that something we're going to see with Tesla, where Tesla was this massive player, the dominant, was such an incredible market share, and then everyone else came in, and the playing field within a matter of years was completely different. Totally, totally agree with you. I, I think that's a great analogy. Uh, the only thing I'll add to that, I, I was reading somewhere, some Wall Street analyst was saying that no, 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 Tesla is not a car company; it's an energy company. And I was thinking about that, and I, I think that's a bit of a stretch. We'll see. Yeah, we will. We will. Um, other, other big news uh, before we talk about who reports next week. Uh, late this week, Microsoft, once again, touting the horn for our um, cybersecurity and data privacy index. They said, quote, this week we observed cyber attacks by the threat actor Nobilium targeting government agencies, think tanks, consultants, and non-governmental organizations. This wave of attacks targeted approximately 3,000 email accounts at more than 150 different organizations. And while most of us might think, oh boy, there they go again, hitting the US, true, but it also hit 24 other countries. And, and for those who don't know, this organization, Nobilium, was the same one that attacked SolarWinds in 2020. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the new warfare, the new it's, it's no longer war really is pointless for the most part. I mean, I know there's, there's still some skirmishes, but the, the, the big war is no longer in the physical world. It's over data. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the way it's going to be. You know, uh, I, I like our cybersecurity and data privacy index quite a bit. It's a little different because the emphasis that includes data privacy, but look, we, we, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. Cybersecurity is like the new form of insurance, right? You don't know when you're going to need it, but you'll be grateful that you have it when you do. The other nice thing about cybersecurity from an investor perspective is attacks continue to get increasingly complex and complicated. Yeah. There is a just a virtuous cycle of upgrades in terms of the needs of, of a company's cybersecurity demands and protections. I think I, I think I got that out right. I kind of stumbled through that. <laughs> so I think I think people get what I'm saying. Uh, the, the other interesting thing, just on the uh, chip shortage front, particularly for autos, uh, the U.S. Senate is expected to pass the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act of 2021 that would sink about 100 billion into U.S. research and development efforts, but 52 b b billion with a B to advance domestic semiconductor manufacturing. When you hear that, so more than it. half of it is going to semis. So the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act, more than half of it goes uh, but, to semis. But, but, but Lenora, you know what I, but you know what I say? Chips are the fabric of our lives. I, that, but that doesn't doesn't <laughs> that tell you you're right? That does. And and in terms of rising uh, semicap manufacturing, uh, you want to certainly want to look at applied materials, lamb research, and, and and some others in that area. Now. Quickly, let, let's skip to next week. Um, you know, again, four-day week, not going to be a lot. Uh, Tuesday, the highlights will be Amberella and Zoom video. With Zoom, the question is going to be, what does it see over the coming months as employers reopen yeah. their doors and folks begin to work incrementally less from home? Uh, Wednesday, we've got Cloudera, PVH, and Splunk, Splunk cybersecurity company. Again, what do they say on the heels of what Microsoft talked about 
uh, this week. And then Thursday, we've got Broadcom, 5G and connected chips. The timing of this report is going to be key because it comes right before a lot of companies close their books for the June quarter. So we're going to want to be listening for comments on chip shortages, supply chain issues, or perhaps is demand even more robust or the acceleration to 5G going more quickly than we might think. Uh, also Thursday, we have ChargePoint. You know, we were just talking about Ford and their EV plans. What is Charging Point's plans to expand its charging station footprint as the EV landscape heats up? We ask this because miles per charge, time to recharge an EV battery are still some of the sticking points. You're going somewhere, particularly on a long trip, you're gonna have to recharge. Where is ChargePoint in and on that? And then finally, uh, Lou Lemon reports next week. You know, we were chatting earlier about uh, the blowout results with Athleta. You know, Lululemon, I'm betting that they're going to crush it for their April quarter. But the question is going to be, as we were talking about, as people are heading back to the office, updating their wardrobe for non-work from home, what do they see in their forecast? Um, and then the only other thing I'd point out is we're going to be at an interesting inflection point next week. We see, again, a real continued drop in the velocity of corporate earning reports, but we're going to see a huge increase in the number of investment conferences. And this is where companies are going to report, and you're going to want to break out your notebook and compare what did they say on their earnings call? What are they saying yeah. now? What yeah, is just, they're not reporting their quarterly results. They're going to be talking about what's going on in their business outside of that. And so that's going to be a different kind of insight. Uh, totally agree. It's the time to break out your decoder ring and yeah. really w- watch and compare their language. What was said, what is being said, looking for yep. the Delta there. So, and Lenore, yep. I, I, anything else to watch out for next week? I think we've got it. Does, does that mean what I think it means? I think, and that's the week ahead. <laughs>